Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. All right. Um, y'all got Freddie Haynes on? <laughs> y'all got Freddie Haynes on? Oh, God. <laughs> uh, that's right. Pastor uh, Frederick Douglas Haynes, pray for me because I've been a little petty, uh, uh, frat. Because, uh, you know, on this day, uh, I've been sitting here, you know, I've been looking at these, these black MAGA people and they've been running their miles, talking all this trash, you know. And so, I, you know, I just, be, you know, they've been, they, they've been getting on my nerves. And I'm like, okay, don't talk smack, especially when I got more followers than you do. Hey. You know, and then I had one of them sitting here talking. And matter of fact, just go ahead. Y'all just go take one more shot of Angie Stanton King. Yeah, go right ahead. You know, that's what happened. This is what happens. Black, black MAGA is not good for black skin. <laughs> Black don't crack except if you black MAGA. Okay, Pastor Haynes, go ahead. Your thoughts on the day. <laughs> Roland, I got to recover from that. <laughs> the kinky handcuffs. Okay, yeah, he can't come back in the kinky handcuffs uh, that he's used to. But Roland, I got to say this. Black continues to rescue America. Number one, I think it's very powerful that the sergeant at arms who escorted in 
uh, our first black woman uh, vice president, uh, Kamala Harris, was the one who literally saved the lives of, the, of, of a lot of the hypocrites who had the nerve to be sitting on that stage today. So we saw metaphorically the hypocrisy of American democracy mixed with black people who continue to rescue a democracy that for so long has been much that, that has been to use the language of our frat brother Martin Luther King Jr. not true to what it said on paper. So to see uh, brother Goodman escort her in now he is the sergeant at, at arms because if he did not have the presence of mind that he had last week there's no telling what I, I mean two weeks ago there's no telling what would have happened uh, on January January 6th, that day that will go down in infamy. And then the first young uh, uh, poet laureate of the United States made Maya Angelou proud. Miss Gorman just killed it. That was a powerful poem. And I think it represents the fact that black continues not to crack when it comes to American democracy. And yet from the cracks, we can help America see what it ain't and what it should be. President Biden gave a great speech calling for unity. President Biden is the first president I know, correct me if I'm wrong, you're the historian, Roland, to actually name white supremacy as problematic in this country. And the fact that he named it lets me know that we can begin to heal from what we are real about and honestly and actually deal with. So it's been a great day, uh, but I got to go back to the handcuffs that you don't want him uh, 40, 45 to come back in. That that messed me up. I can't take it. Well, you know, because again, you know, he slinked off. Uh, he was so, he's so childish. Didn't want to come to the inauguration. Right. Didn't even want to say the man's name. Never communicated. The White House did confirm uh, that Trump left a letter for Joe Biden is unconfirmed that it was written in crayon. <laughs> you on a roll, man. You on a roll. I'm, 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 I, I, look, I, I have no problem being petty, but he probably wrote the letter in the big-ass Sharpie. That's probably what he did as well. Oh, God. Yeah, well, it, it, it's fitting. And, and again, I'd, I'd love to know the contents of that letter. I'd love to know the contents because, again, he's too, he's too small to do something noble and big. And not only that, if he even wrote something halfway decent, you know it's bathed in hypocrisy in light of the fact that he was the one who stoked and instigated a seditionist movement of traitorous uh, terrorists two weeks ago. So, so as far as I'm concerned, I can't be impressed by nothing he does uh, because he's a big, baby, undisciplined hypocrite who never should have been president. You know, the, 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 the thing here, again, I really, it really showed itself yesterday at the service uh, by the reflecting pool for the 400,000 who lost their lives due to COVID-19. You saw what a president looks like. Humanity, decency, empathy, compassion. Uh, and it, it, it really hit me yesterday watching that. I'm like, thank God that is returning to the Oval Office. Yeah, we actually have a president who is presidential, but not just presidential, he's decent, he's honorable. I mean, the antithesis of the mess we've had to endure during our four-year nightmare. And so 
we've been waiting, Roland, as a nation for someone to lead us through the grief of losing all of these lives senselessly. And of course, you know, President Small, you know, President Trader didn't have the decency to honor the, uh, the the grief that the nation has been experiencing. And so I think the, the, the first move of uh, President Biden to acknowledge the grief, the pain of this nation, again, it reflects the fact that we actually have a president who is presidential, but we also have a president who is decent honorable and actually cares about people. And then, Roland, you got you, you have to give him credit because here's a man who has known great tragedy. And so what better person to provide the kind of empathetic leadership as we navigate this season of mourning and move toward healing? Um, it is a, I mean, look, there certainly is, certainly is a lot of work. This is the video we're showing uh, that was from last night. Uh, and, and there were so many people who were moved by that who said, finally, uh, we have a president who acknowledged and who willingly acknowledged the massive loss of life, not as 400,000 over the course of a year, 100,000 since December. He did this while Trump was right. still whining about how he won the election that he know he lost. Right, right. So 100,000 lives lost while he's playing games trying to stoke his MAGA mob into acting as if, you know, the election was not legit. And so, you know, given that, you know, it's, it's almost as if the hoax that he continued to talk about from, what, February uh, up through much of the last year of his presidency as people were dying and dying from a hoax that he also contracted, by the way. And so here's someone who did not have the decency, the, the honor, the honesty to say, you know what, people are hurting and I need to acknowledge the pain, lead them through healing for their pain. But instead, in his own selfish babyness, maybe he's still trying to get daddy to to approve of him he's upset that he lost the election and so instead of addressing the pain he magnified the pain and here comes someone today and i love it roland the fool wasn't even mentioned today president clown was not mentioned today and yet in a real sense, he was indicted today, and the indictment started last night when President Biden said, I know we're hurting, it's time to heal. Absolutely. Um, it, uh, uh, and I know that that just kills the narcissist that his name didn't even come up. That even just, and your vice president wouldn't even come to your own little send-off, knowing full well he could have made it back in time in the motorcade because it ain't like he got to stop at red lights. Uh, and even he did not want to be seen. That, to me, was a fitting tribute how no one wanted to be seen, no one credible wanted to be seen with Donald Trump except a few of his minions uh, and his thuggish kids. No question. And again, it just reflects the fact that you know, here's someone, and I ain't going to preach, but, but the Bible talks about how arrogance and a haughty spirit, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall, and his presidency is ending in the ashes of shame, the ashes of being twice impeached, and he should get convicted, the ashes of being someone that American history will always recall as perhaps the most corrupt, 
the worst president in the history of this country under whose watch 400,000 people died. Many did not have to die. And, and sadly, the death count will continue. And that will be the, the ignominious momentum that came from his mismanagement of this crisis. And then again, as you so well said, bro, the last month, he's spending the whole time pouting and stoking the flames of his MAGA mob trying to overturn a democratic election. And so, so the sad reality is that his presidency went down in flames. Four years ago, and I think you said it well, we told America yep. what was going to happen. America didn't believe us, and here we see what has happened in this last month. And here he is in Florida, in shame. A haughty spirit has gone before a fall and destruction. And in a moment, we were just showing we just showing the video there. This is the first official act uh, of President uh, Joe Biden. This is uh, the ceremonial signing. This is the outside shot. The U.S. Capitol. Let's go to it right now. Mm. That's another issue. All right, here comes the signing, folks. Ladies and gentlemen, we're getting ready for the signing. So we can see President Biden here preparing um, sign in the president's room. A small room on the Senate side of the Capitol. We have very um, exclusive access to see this today, the way that we're seeing this. There'll be some parts that um, we don't get to see, but they're being filmed for archives archival purposes for posterity. Again, I want to go back. The reason why we have the president's room? Yeah. George Washington. <laughs> he said the president should have a room where from time to time he can meet with Congress and sign bills or not sign bills, but uh, have interaction. Yeah, and it's another holdover from a different era, um, folks, when the term of our president and our Congress overlapped differently. So we tend to think of inaugurations happen in January, new Congress comes in January 3rd, right? But that's been different over the years. Oh, let's watch.
So if you don't recognize them, folks, members of the Joint uh, Congressional Committee on inaugural ceremonies gathered there. The JSIC gathered with uh, President Biden and Vice President Harris in the president's room, the space that we're seeing here. Friends, when I leave this room, they're going towards the Ohio clock. Now, the Ohio clock has Friends, when the president and vice president leaves this room, they're going towards the Ohio clock. Now, the Ohio clock has... Why is it called the Ohio clock? Well, well, it's interesting. A senator from Connecticut, Senator David Daggett, asked a clockmaker from Philadelphia, Thomas Voigt, to complete it. He does in 1816, but Ohio came to the Union in 1803. I don't quite get it. It's a mystery, and no one knows the answer. This clock has come to be known as the Ohio clock. It stands in the Senate hallway, which we're going to be seeing the party passing through soon on their way to the rotunda for the presentation of gifts. We're just wrapping up the signing ceremony here. And so we're on the Senate side of the building in these hallways, which are beautifully decorated. Again, if we can call your attention to the floor for just a second. Oh. Minton tiles, they're an encaustic tile. Uh, these are uh, more the uh, ceremony events the uh, that are taking different. place. We're joined by Reverend Frederick Douglas, Frederick D. Haynes III, uh, Dr. Greg Carr, uh, Monique Presley uh, is with us. Uh, Candace, are you there as well? Okay, Candace, and then uh, Erica Savage Wilson. Uh, then later, we're going to be having some other folks, Tamika Mallory, and others who will be joining us. Um, these are uh, these are the ceremony events, uh, Pastor Haynes. But uh, there are some actions that that uh, President Biden will be taking uh, some executive order actions, uh, undoing a lot of the damage that Donald Trump uh, did with the executive orders. That's always important, uh, frankly, on on days like this. No question. And in light of the fact, it's it's almost poetic justice that you know Trump was so obsessed with Barack Obama. Barack Obama occupied so much space in his empty head, rent-free, that he spent a lot of his political capital, especially through executive orders, trying to overturn the good that Barack Obama had done. And now, guess what? He's reaping exactly what has been sown. And so, as a consequence, on the very first day, we are overturning, basically trying to restore democracy and no restore sanity to democracy so so i think it's poetic justice it's quite fitting uh and again it's quite fitting in light of you have someone who has a notion that white supremacy is the great plague that's poisoned this nation um monique the um the, the move forward that that, that, that that we now see, you see the photo here with Biden talking with uh, Senator Chuck Schumer, talking with uh, Speaker Nancy Pelosi, Majority Leader Steny Hoyer. Uh, this is where uh, Democrats are going to have to keep their folks in line. Uh, they control the Senate barely, 50-50 tie. Vice President Harris breaks all ties. Uh, they have a very slim majority in the House, but they do have the opportunity uh, to actually drive some significant policy in this country over the next two years before the 2020, 2022 midterm? 
They do. And, and, you know, just as uh, Dr. Haynes was talking about, when you've got this political capital, you have to figure out what comes first. We know uh, that when President Obama left from a day like this, almost a decade ago now, he had all kinds of emergencies on his hands, same as this new president does. And he knew that with his capital, we needed health care. And so he put forth everything that he could in order to get that accomplished. And it was at great personal political cost in terms of what they were able to do going forward. Um, so they are definitely going to have to make those choices. But Roland, if I could, just a, a moment of Black Folk Show privilege. I don't know if it's been talked about because I wasn't on here at the very first part of the show, but as we're watching Vice President Harris, ooh, get chills saying it. As we're watching her right now in that purple, which of course is royalty, but also is unity, she is wearing head to toe young black designers. Uh, so I want to give it up for Christopher John Rogers, who's responsible for that overcoat and for that gorgeous suit for the shoes that are designed by Sergio Hudson, who is also the designer of the beautiful garment uh, overcoat and suit that Michelle Obama had on today. Uh, I think we also saw uh, something worn last night by a black designer, and that was by, by Pyre Moss, which is, which is a black New York label. So these are young, black, successful, highly acclaimed, designers that would never get this type of attention, but for us putting forth people and electing people who look like us, who then turn around and shine that light in big and small ways uh, on people in all walks of life and all parts of our community. So I've already seen from Bazaar, from Vogue, from, from everybody, these articles spotlighting these designers and it is well-deserved. So just hats off to all the be beautiful, brilliant ways that our people do what we do. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, folks, uh, the uh, inauguration parade uh, has begun. Folks, uh, let me know uh, if we can go to, go to that feed. Uh, again, there, so there is a parade. Now, it's not the normal parade that we've seen but, the, but 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 there is uh, a parade uh, th uh, that is taking place. Um, uh, Reese, uh, what Monique just said uh, is important uh, because, uh, frankly, uh, whenever you have these events, we heard a lot of people talk about uh, the um, the designers that Michelle Obama would wear. Uh, and but uh, yeah, it's it's great for black designers to to, to get that shine. Absolutely. I think that, as you pointed out, First Lady Michelle Obama was uh, famous for, for really um, highlighting and showcasing black designers as well as people of color. And I think it's great to see that uh, VP Kamala Harris will continue that trend because, of course, all eyes are on her. That's as a woman, just by default, they're going to be talking about her fashion. And so it does give her the opportunity and these designers opportunity to really get a brand new audience. Or as some of them, you know, they, they're they long known. Uh, Sergio Hudson is a, is a favorite of many people. But I think it's a beautiful statement. And I think that it's just one of those things where it's in the receipts of how much uh, VP is going to represent for the black community. It's not just having a token here and there. It's, it's it's ingrained in everything that she's done. And that's been consistent. Anybody that's closely followed her beyond the editorials and beyond the narratives that have been painted by the mainstream media would understand she's always, always looked out 
for um, for Black people. That's very much a part of her um, her 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 ethos. And so it doesn't surprise me that she has taken this opportunity with all eyes on her and Michelle Obama. You can't compete with Michelle Obama to highlight these fabulous designers. Um, folks, uh, the you still have uh, events, even though President uh, Biden and Vice President Harris are still in the Capitol. Again, the uh, the parade has actually started uh, going down uh, Pennsylvania Avenue. The grandstand uh, is set up. We 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 are literally we are literally three blocks from the White House. We can step we can step outside of this building and go on to uh, Black Lives Matter uh, Plaza. Uh, and, uh, and, and and see the White House. Uh, it is lots of security all around. You don't have the same views that you would normally have before, but uh, it is still uh, Inauguration Day, Greg Carr. It is, and as you're watching, watching this feed, I see these two sisters come out, officers, and I suspect that the reason, well, I don't know. I mean, this is pure speculation, but we've all seen Secret Service de- and we've seen black folk in them a, a smattering, including black women. And I'm wondering mm-hmm. if the vice president hadn't soaked up all the sisters to be with her, because I kept looking for the sisters I normally see. <laughs> and when you had that <laughs> wide shot of all these, where are the sisters at? And I'm thinking, maybe the vice president has them. So anytime I see some black, including our brother Goodman, who, man, talk about one second, you you leading this hill away from the Senate office, wondering if you're going to have to kill somebody, if you're going to the next second, you coming down the state's capital. I agree with you. That that's just a hell of a moment. But um, you know, I was sitting here thinking as an go. Now, see, this is good in this feed right here with Mitch McConnell and them. Let's be very clear. This was not a pause in the battle. You have 18 state attorneys general who tried to overthrow the election. Every mm-hmm. executive order Joe Biden signs in the next 24 hours expect court. There were 78 multi-state lawsuits during the Obama era, and there were 145 under Trump. Why? Because the villain of the piece, as we see him walk past us now, Mitch McConnell, has put 220 federal judges on the bench in anticipation of this day. As Amy illegitimate Comey sat there on that dais and was probably uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris into hell the whole time, her judges at the federal and circuit court level are going to attack the DACA thing, they're going to go after mm-hmm. the environmental regulations. They're going to start talking Tenth Amendment stuff. Understand, there was no pause. It's a beautiful day mm-hmm. right now. Let's be clear. That one right there, he didn't put his emergency thing into place over the last four years, and it's called the federal judiciary. Mm-hmm. So true. Monique, your thoughts uh, on that? Again, the Democrats have to share power with, uh, with him. Uh, and... Um, it's going to be a very interesting couple of years. It, it will be, but it's going to be better than the past two that we had and the past four that we had. And his, his comeuppance is, is, is nigh. Um, it will be tougher than I would like to see it. But I think even in the next two years, it's going to get better than that. And we are going to see some broad legislation come forward and pass. If you listen to... The comments from uh, Minority Leader McConnell yesterday, where he boldfacedly acknowledged the part that the prior president played in what happened at the Capitol on January 6th. He knows what time it is. He's, he's, he's making his pivot. He's doing his adjustments. 
so that he can hold on to some semblance of a party because he really does not have one right now at all. Mm -hmm. um, you are seeing, uh, of course, uh, President uh, Joe Biden there with Dr. Jill Biden, the First Lady. They're now going through a statuary hall. Um, one of the things that uh, let's uh, let's go to this audio, please. Uh, secure. You can see some Capitol Police officers here flanking this north door into the rotunda. So the president entering the rotunda now. Oh, look at that beautiful All right. Painting. Now, this is a painting selected by the chair of the JSEC. First Lady and uh, the Vice President and the uh, second gentleman. Uh, normally at this time, we have a lunch, and probably no person alive has attended more of those lunches than uh, President Biden has. It's an important moment where it's, it's, it's bipartisan. It's the, the, the time to bond between the executive and the... Uh, uh, and the uh, legislative branch of the government probably don't need as much bonding because we already have that natural uh, bonding with you and the traditions here. Uh, by those traditions, usually there's a painting at the at the front of that event that the chairman picks. Uh, this time, not knowing we we're going to have an event until what we we're going to do about an event until late, I asked Dr. Biden to help uh, pick the painting, and this is the one that uh, she recommended. Uh, the painting. Uh, is landscape with rainbow. Rainbow always a good sign. Uh, it's loaned to us for today from the uh, Smithsonian American Art Museum. The artist, Dr. Uh, Robert Sheldon Duncanson, uh, he was the best known African American painter in the years surrounding the Civil War. He was based in Cincinnati, uh, encouraged by abolitionists who, uh, among other things, sponsored a trip for him to do some study in Europe. Uh, this is a painting that he painted in 1859, and I think maybe the more, it, it's sort of the classic America as a paradise painting that a lot of painting, painters were doing then. But from, for him, uh, a black artist painting this painting that's uh, so much like an American utopia uh, on the verge of a war that we would fight over slavery makes all of that, I think, even more interesting in that uh, while he faced lots of challenges, obviously was optimistic even in 1859 uh, about America. And so, uh, Dr. Biden, thanks for helping select this painting and uh, glad to have all four of you here as we move on to uh, my good friend, Senator Klobuchar. I like the, I like the rainbow. The rainbow is always a good sign. Let's hope so. Right a mixed race artist who created this painting, and it actually depicts uh, essentially one of the, the last stop on the Underground Railroad. <laughs> Door number two. Moment on the river. Oh, we are. Good. Um, Mr. President, First Lady, Madam Vice President, and our very first second gentleman. Uh, on behalf of the American people, it is our honor to present these custom-made crystal vases commemorating your historic inauguration. Uh, Lennox, uh, which you know is a great company, American company, has handcrafted these gifts for the past nine presidential inaugurations. Uh, it is a good thing I don't have to hand them to you personally. They each weigh with the base 32 pounds but combined 64, but Jill I know is very strong and could like take them both. Um, <laughs> exactly. 
Um, but the Lennox company is actually based in Bristol, Pennsylvania, uh, which you know, Mr. President, is a mere 132 miles from Scranton. Since we know today all roads lead to Scranton. Uh, the team at Lennox has worked for months to capture the spirit of this inauguration and your incoming administration. Um, Mr. President, your vase features the White House and Vice President Harris's features the U.S. Capitol. Uh, the gifts represent the hope and the faith the American people have placed in you to move our country forward. Thank you. Thank you. As Senator Klobuchar mentioned, the Lennox Company is an American company. It's been around since 1889. President Wilson commissioned China for the White House from them, first set of American-made White House China in 1918. Those lead crystal vases, 17 inches tall, she mentioned they weigh 32 pounds. They're all handmade in Pennsylvania by a craftsman named Peter O'Rourke. <clears throat> well, Mr. President. Juan, and I think, uh, what, is Schumer next? Here we go. Well, the uh, pandemic has sadly limited our usual hospitality, as others have mentioned. <clears throat> I'm very glad we still carry on some of our favorite inaugural traditions. It's my honor and privilege to help present these flags of our nation that were flown over today's event here at the Capitol. Now, I have to make one point of personal privilege on behalf of the Senate. With all due respect to our distinguished speaker and our colleagues from the House, I have to note, not only did we just swear in a son and daughter of the Senate to these houses, but indeed both these former senators Skip the house altogether. <laughs> the Star Spangled Banner is our greatest symbol of our endurance of the American idea. It flies over this building on triumphant days and on tragic ones, over all factions and all parties. And today, this flag flew over our former colleague's inauguration as the very first female vice president of the United States. So to our very distinguished former colleague, Madam Vice President, please accept this flag with the highest compliments and congratulations of the United States Senate. Senator McConnell here presenting flags that have flown over the Capitol today during the 59th inaugural ceremonies. Speaker Pelosi, let's The distinguished uh, leader of the Senate pointed out that he has hosted this lunch for members of the Senate who have become president and vice president. But I have the privilege of giving the flag to the president of the United States, the flag that was flown when you were sworn in, Mr. President. Uh, this flag is, may it reflect all that is said about your inauguration. America united. May it be a symbol of the hope, the healing, and the uh, just all of the enthusiasm that you have for our country. And as we heard the beautiful national anthem, when we're at the stadium and they say, does our flag still, is our flag still there? Then you say, play ball, right there, play ball. So we're gonna ready, get ready to play ball. We're ready to go with the inspiration of our flag flying. 
but again, on behalf of the House of Representatives, it is my privilege to extend to you uh, the flag that was flown the moment, the early moment that you were sworn in as President of the United States. Thank you, Mr. President. Thank you, Dr. Dr. Biden. Thank you. If we had the lunch, we would have had California wine. Is that not right, <laughs> Madam Vice President? That is correct. Mr. Emhoff, congratulations. With liberty and justice for all. Thank you. On the behalf of the American people, we've just seen flags presented that were flown over the Capitol. What you uh, normally what happens normally right now uh, will be taking place uh, is a uh, a luncheon, a luncheon with members of Congress. Uh, but due to COVID, uh, that is not taking place. Uh, so many things uh, have happened uh, as a result uh, of, of COVID. And, and, and Pastor Haynes, are you still with us? Oh, yeah. The, one of the things that we should be gratified about, uh, I think right now, uh, is Kevin McCarthy. I don't give a damn what he got to say. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think one of the things that's important, y'all can keep showing it, but we'll just come back to us. One of the things that's uh, important is that we're seeing leadership from the president and the vice president. For the last year, we have an administration that has acted as if COVID was no big deal. They didn't care about masks. They didn't care about social distancing. Distancing, they held rallies. They did all of those things. And here is, is Biden making it perfectly clear coming in. No, we are going to lead by example. No question. And, and I think that's something that sets the stage for the kinds of proposals he can make going forward, along with our amazing Vice President uh, Kamala Harris. Uh, I am uh, with you, Sister Presley, just to say that uh, just does it for me. But, but again, Roland, I think that not only did they set the example today, uh, which says so much, because today was his day. This is going to perhaps be the highest day of his tenure. And yet he chose to be responsible. He chose to acknowledge that COVID is indeed a crisis that has slain 400,000 Americans, not to mention millions around the world. And so through his example, he sends a message. And now he can, through his policies, through his leadership, demonstrate or, or, or bring about a coordinated response, which is what this country has lacked for the last year. We have not had a coordinated response to attack this problem, treating it as a problem. And so today we see modeling of how to respond to COVID going forward. Now, we're going to see a coordinated response that will help us begin to end this long virus nightmare. The, res the responsibility uh, of leadership, that's what is needed, Reese. And now is the time for leaders to tell these spoiled MAGA brats, put your damn mask on, tell these governors, stop trying to kiss Trump's ass by seeing who can be dumber and say, folks, we can get beyond this if y'all learn how to act like grown-ups and lead. Right. 
Absolutely. And I think we've even seen a little bit more um, recognition of that just with how the Republicans conducted themselves today, which they don't get a cookie for, to be clear. But we've seen more mask wearing from Republicans today than we have since the pandemic began. began. And I think that um, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, VP, president and VP, are incredibly credible messengers for this because they have modeled that good behavior. And I think going back to what was talked about earlier, having that COVID memorial, which was amazingly the first time any such thing has happened um, at that level of government or incoming government, um, is, is pretty remarkable and pretty extraordinary. And we're not out of the woods yet. And there are more reports of, you know, just the slow rolling of the vaccinations and things like that. And so I think it's important to model good behavior if you want to demand good behavior from our citizens. And so I think that really now we're going to see an entire day of, of yes, there's pompous circumstance, but there is mask wearing, there's social distancing. We certainly aren't seeing the crowds we would normally see. And that's really important. And I think the other thing I want to just mention is that I think a big difference between uh, the crisis that you know the Biden-Harris administration is inheriting versus what Obama and Biden inherited, there was a, a strictly economic crisis and there was things, questions about bailing this person out, bailing that person out. We have a public health crisis, but one thing to their benefit is that there is a body of work, legislative work, that already exists, that's already passed in the House, that they can re-up. And then you get it going in the Senate, get these uh, appointees and the executive branch that actually know how to tackle this virus. One of the things that stood out for me is that in, in Biden's uh, first 100 or first 10-day plans, every single thing he outlined, I could immediately recognize as a piece of legislation that was put forth in many cases by Senator Kamala Harris at the time, now VP Kamala Harris. But these are things that already have solutions that are already in Congress, that they can really get a move on and what he can do by executive order, we see that he's going to waste no time doing that. And so I think that showing that, you know, it starts at the top, we're all in this together, we're all going to act responsibly, not having these elaborate balls, which I'm personally going to miss out on, but, you know, really just, just, just doing the job of becoming president. I think that's going to send a very powerful message. Uh, folks, do me a favor. Can y'all please call Maya Harris back, the sister of Kamala Harris? Uh, she just sent me a text. Uh, and so if y'all could go ahead and give her a call back, I told her to expect uh, the phone call. Uh, let me know as soon as we have her. Um, the, uh, the, the point we were just talking about there, uh, Monique, as we are looking at uh, the president and the vice president going to be leaving the U.S. Capitol in just a second, is again, we're, I mean, this is... When 400,000 people have died, when you're having 4,000 deaths a day, when you are seeing the cases, look, we, got, we did get beyond the Spanish flu, but it took people having to do what was right and necessary. And this is a moment where we have to have leaders lead. Uh, and I would hope that uh, President Joe Biden would tell these Republican governors, hey, you don't have to stop kissing the butt of the idiot. You don't have to stop trying to see who can impress him for being uh, as, as stupid as can be. Lead. You can't have places like Texas and Arizona and Mississippi seeing significant COVID numbers. And so, you know, I think we're going to see a, a, a market contrast uh, over the next uh, six months to a year than what we've witnessed over the past year. Right. And that's why I, I agree with Reese. You're seeing people fall in line. And that's what President Biden has been saying all along. He's been saying, one, I know these cats. He's been saying, two, once we get rid of this insufferable fool, 
they will have no choice but to follow the leader because they themselves actually are not leaders. They've shown themselves to, to be followers, to be spineless. Hebo is a leader. And as you said, leaders lead. They lead in action. They lead in word. They lead in deed. They lead by example. Uh, they, they walk in authority. He's, he's now vested with authority because the people of the United States voted him into an office, but he also walks with an authority mm -hmm. and carries an anointing for leadership, specifically in government and in service. And so there are so mm -hmm. many um, underpinnings of faith here. I know we got the real preacher, the baddest preacher, one of the baddest <laughs> just to walk the land. So I ain't going to preach on him because, I, because he can do it better than me. But I do want to say I've been hearing a lot of Isaiah in my mind as I think of President Biden and his story, because those, you know, who, who wait upon the Lord will have renewed strength. And so that's what I'm seeing from this man right now, renewed strength. And I expect for him to use that strength to better this, this country. Uh, if we can, uh, in just a moment, uh, we're going to see uh, the president. You see members of Congress coming out. Uh, you see my man, Eugene Goodman, uh, who is uh, in that tan coat on the far right. Mm. Uh, he escorted uh, Vice President Kamala Harris uh, to the inauguration uh, platform on the west side of the Capitol. Again, uh, these members, uh, they are members of Congress. They are filing out. Uh, they will, uh, uh, th this is the congressional send-off, if you will, uh, for the new president uh, of the United States and vice president of the United States. Uh, Joe Biden and uh, Kamala Harris. Uh, again, this is part. This is a part of uh, the pageantry. Uh, you see the military color guard uh, lining the Capitol Hill steps. There, uh, you have uh, more folks uh, who are who are waiting. The military band. They are waiting on the platform uh, uh, just uh, below those steps. And and so again, uh, the motorcade is also waiting uh, to take. Uh, the president and vice president down the parade route on their way to the White House, to the viewing stand. What they put together is a virtual parade. Y'all might remember what took place during the Democratic National Convention, Dr. Carr, uh, where what they did was they had folks uh, all around the country um, with, uh, you know, with their delegates, and they chose to do the exact same thing versus inviting people to Washington, D.C., like we normally see. It was always a coveted, um, a coveted uh, invitation to come perform at a presidential inauguration parade, but they chose to make it virtual. And so there will be some live elements, uh, uh, folks here in the nation's capital, but then you're going to also have uh, folks participating across the country uh, virtually. Yes, yes. And I think we all remember the DNC convention. And as someone who has no investment in this country in terms of its imaginary narrative, um, I can say that watching that DNC convention and how they staged it was really um, an interesting moment in terms of projecting forward what America could be. Because any of the things that we talk about this country, the unity and the deep humanity, it's all aspirational. There's nothing in the historical record except our opposition to oppression that feeds that narrative. And, and, and they did a good job in, in the DNC. And of course, now as we look forward and at this parade, as I think about a day of Holland at Interior, for example, you think about the there is evidence that there's going to be some down payment on changing this country. And so I expect that 
there will be a continued investment in trying to project forward a different narrative of the country. Uh, so I think this parade will certainly reinforce that. And as we see it, we can suspend for, uh, for, for a moment, for a day, the reality that as, you know, friend and brother James down there, brother, I want to ball and that hoodie, but, you know, we can negotiate maybe next time when I get down to Texas. The, the, the challenge we have is that the attorney general in y'all's home state of Texas and the governor have already lined up and they are going to be trying to stop this DACA signing of they're going to they can't they can't stop the executive order but they're going to go to court they're going to use the 10th amendment and they're going to rely on all those appointed judges to try to overturn all that stuff right and they're going and they're going to begin doing that today they've already started after the election and i'm saying all that that for this little moment whether we enjoy it or not we can at least sit in this parade that's coming up and imagine the type of society we want to live in and let it soak in very deeply because as soon as that parade and while that parade is going on, hell, we just heard Kevin McCarthy talking about lift every voice and sing under the Capitol Rotunda. We're looking at those two pictures, talking about the James Weldon Johnson and James Rosemont Johnson brothers. This all rhetoric, y'all. These all boys ain't, <laughs> they have not even taken 15 seconds off. McConnell can be magnanimous. And by the right. way, they're coming out that same. And then where John Lewis was, uh, I mean, we went down there to see him. Uh, that's yeah, that, that, yeah, that's exactly where. Uh, his body was uh, was lying in state. It was at the top of uh, top of the, uh, of the of the Capitol steps. There, uh, Pastor Haynes, uh, final comment uh, from you on this day. Well, I just piggyback on the genius, Dr. Carr, and of course the amazing uh, Reverend Bishop Monique Presley. Uh, but it was very <laughs> interesting, very interesting, Roland, that the painting given to President Biden was a painting from a brother in 1859, and imagine this black man in 1859 daring to see the United States as utopia. And that is what saves this country over and over again, black people who see in this country possibilities, even though we have to see it through ugly contradictions. So, so he sees utopia. He's not experiencing utopia, but somehow he envisions utopia. And when you look at the history of our people, our people have always said about this country, as ugly as you act, as ugly as you treat us, we still dare to envision utopia. There's something in our Africanness that won't allow us to give up on the concept of Ma'at. And so we're going to speak creatively the power of NOMO. Shout out to you, Doc, because it's very important that black people recognize that we have always dreamt of an America that we were not the recipients of, and yet aspirationally, we believe America could be more than she is. And so and so for me, the message is that since the brother has reminded us of what America can be, our responsibility now is to recognize 
just as Dr. King on August 28, 1963, declared a utopian, I have a dream, after narrating the nightmare, he then had to end up going to deal with and bury those four little girls in Birmingham, Alabama, because the ugliness of America makes us continue to fight for a utopia that we envision even when we are not experiencing that. And so I'm inspired by utopia. But now it's on. We got to fight to bring utopia to reality in spite of the ugliness we always deal with. Well, as uh, I said, when uh, President Barack Obama was there, one of the things that we did was we stayed at the inauguration parade. When everybody else left, uh, enjoyed the today. The work begins tomorrow. Pastor Frederick Douglass Haynes, the third, we shall appreciate it. Oh, six. Thank you so very much. <laughs> Folks, uh, it is the top of the hour at 2 p.m. Uh, Eastern Time. Uh, the, you're watching the past review uh, of the, the military uh, going before uh, President Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris. Uh, the, of course, the inauguration parade will be also. This is really the kickoff. Uh, this is really the kickoff uh, to that. Uh, we're joined by uh, Dr. Greg Carr, Chair, Department of Afro-American Studies, Howard University, Reese Cobra, Black Women Views, uh, Monique Press, Presley, uh, lawyer, crisis manager. In just a moment, uh, we're going to be joined by a couple of other folks, um, a couple other guests as well. Uh, in our final hour, uh, we'll be joined by uh, Lurie Daniels, Daniel Favors, Executive Director for the Center for Law and Social Justice. Um, Reese. Um, you, you heard what, 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 what Pastor Haynes laid out. And it, it is, look, the reality for black folks in this country, uh, we've always had to look at, we've always had to have optimism. Uh, we've caught so much hell in this country that we've always had to have a view that, well, hell, tomorrow got to be a better day after, what, after mm -hmm. today. And, and, and that really uh, is the story. That it really is the black experience uh, in this country. Uh, in 2009, when the poll was taken, are you optimistic about the future of America for your children? Uh, every group, including African-Americans, the majority said yes, except white folks. 2016, a poll was done by Pew as well, asked the question, are you optimistic about the future of America economically for the next 10 years? Black people with the lowest wealth the highest optimism. That has always been our position, but the reality is we've never gotten anything unless we did what Frederick Douglass said, which was agitate, agitate, agitate. And that really is our posture, and it would be nice for us to get stuff on GP, but you know what? You got to fight for it. So if you got to fight for it, let's swing. <laughs> yes, I agree. You know, I'm all for that. Uh, but I will, again, reiterate what I've said um, throughout the show, which is we do have areas of common agreement. Let's galvanize behind those. Let's fight those that are enemies, such as the Republican Party, which we seem to give a free pass to all the time. Not because that, you know, we just feel like it, because of our because we understand they're the white supremacist party they're the white nationalist party and there isn't any reasoning with them but we still have to hold them accountable the same way we try to hold democrats accountable but i personally am i have a great sense of optimism today i had a great sense of optimism when uh now vp kamala harris um 
launched her presidential campaign. And I'm going to continue to believe in the promise that this country has, because even though I didn't get my dream of her being president, being vice president is no small consolation. It's a huge historic occasion. And I really, truly believe that, you know, they will, the Biden-Harris administration, will take tangible steps to improve especially for our community because of things that haven't even been talked about previously, things like black maternal mortality, which has never been on anybody's agenda at the forefront. That's been on VP Kamala Harris's agenda since she got to the, since she got to the Senate. The COVID ethnic racial disparities that we're seeing where black people are the least vaccinated, even as black people make up a disproportionate amount of the, of the healthcare workers and the essential workers, they're still lagging behind in terms of vaccinations. And so we're going to have an administration that is going to tackle these things. And so I would just encourage us to recognize where we agree. And I would encourage us to fight where we're fall where the Biden-Harris administration is falling short, where the Democratic Party and where the Republican Party is falling short. One of the things that I will be agitating about is a black woman U.S. senator. It is an abomination that we will not have a black woman U.S. senator for God knows how long. And so that will be a particular area that I will agitate on. But at the end of the day, we have a lot of areas of agreement. We have a very short window, which I think a lot of things can and will be accomplished. But we we have to take the onus upon ourselves to galvanize behind those that we agree with and, and really hold the feet to the flame of those that we do not agree with and those that stand in the way of progress. Uh, I, I, look, I, I remarked about this when uh, Vice President Mike Pence, you see um, uh, President Biden, Jill Bi Dr. Jill Biden, First Lady Jill Biden getting in uh, their limousine. Now you see Vice President uh, Kamala Harris, Second Gentleman Doug getting uh, in their limousine. Now time to go down the parade route. Uh, I, I remarked on this with Vice President, uh, former, now former Vice President Mike Pence and his wife did this. It, it, it is such a stark contrast, Monique, to see former Vice President Mike Pence um, you know, stand there and, you know, and, and help his wife get into the car to sit there and watch Joe Biden do the exact same thing. When we literally witness uh, a brute uh, not give a damn, his hell, his wife wouldn't even want to hold his hand. And, and, and I know that's something small, uh, but again, when you talk about setting a standard for how you want Americans to see you, uh, yeah, to see a president, he got all the Secret Service, all these folks around him, and he's like, no, nah, I'm gonna walk over to the side of the car. She's gonna get in. I'm gonna wait till she in. Then y'all can close the door and I'm walk around my other side. I mean, I think we're gonna see the, the contrast of the thuggishness that we have had to endure for four years, it is going to be significant um, uh, as well. And, and look, she's and Vice President Harris is going to stand by President Biden. But trust me, I don't think she's going to end up being uh, like a Stepford VP like Mike Pence was. Oh. With, with, with that gaze, with that, oh, that gaze. Go. I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, she's, she's not going to be that. He doesn't want that. He didn't want to be that. He, he was not that when he served in that position. He, he selected someone uh, who he respects, who can add value, who, who will tell the truth, uh, and, and who is, it ain't scared, a nobody. So he has, in a second, what he needs in order to be a better first. And any real leader who wants to be successful uh, and is competent will not want a lackey. 
as their second in command because then that that adds no value and it does not make you better. Uh, but I did want to talk for a minute about power be, because uh, I, I don't want it to get lost in any of our conversations. Obviously, we know it yields nothing without demand. Um, and, and obviously, we fight the powers. But I am focusing less and less uh, for the past few months and I hope forever going forward. I'm focusing less and less on what they're going to do, what they're trying to do, because they haven't changed. And we know what that expectation is from whom all the days are, whether it's in my home state of Texas. I hear you, Dr. Carr. I don't disagree with you. They're going to be that. What, 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 hold on one second, Monique. Hold on one second, one second, one second. They flashed a shot there of the license plate uh, on the beast. It said 46. Uh, did anybody catch that? Did, did, uh, has Biden put back on uh, Washington, D.C., taxation without representation? Uh, let me know, because, um, you know, I, that was, that, I, I was just very curious. I know Donald Trump had those, repla those plates removed. I would love to know uh, if uh, Biden has restored that. It did? Okay, gotcha. So, uh, so it is on there. Uh, hopefully, we, we will also see a push uh, for the Democrats uh, in the House and Senate uh, to make uh, Washington, D.C., the 51st state. Monique, go right ahead. And that just furthers my point. Uh, we, we have the power. They're going to do what they do. Uh, we fight the powers, but we have the power. And I have seen in the past few months, and I know that I can get an amen from Reese on this, what, what black women who are united... Uh, can do in order to make sure that our agenda is pushed forward, what we can do collectively, what we can do as individuals, the ways that we can harness uh, and gain authority and leadership and appointments and nominations and raise money. Uh, and have mm -hmm. come to my sister right here on this panel for just being one who was rec recognized in our last call as being the largest grassroots uh, fundraiser. And I am so proud that, that I know her. Um, because of all of the work that she's put in and done. And so I'm just done with all of the excuses of it. It doesn't mean that I'm not in reality. It doesn't mean that I live in a fantasy land. It means that I know what we can do. And I am watching today what, when we unify, we can accomplish. And so my mission is for each and every one of us to who has a complaint to offer a solution and get mm -hmm. in the way to do something about it. Uh, Amen. As, as you see there, you're seeing um, the presidential limo, the beast, uh, as mm -hmm. uh, it is called, uh, carrying now President Joe Biden and First Lady Dr. Jill Biden. Uh, they're making the way off of the U.S. Capitol grounds, uh, headed towards uh, the inauguration parade. Uh, joining us right now uh, is uh, attorney, uh, Lori Daniels, Daniel Favors. Uh, she, of course, uh, is with, she's executive director for the Center for Law and Social Justice. Lori, how you doing? I'm well, thank you. How are you? Uh, I see you got your pearls on today. Listen, black women all across the country, regardless of affiliation, I think have decided that, you know, we're just going to do what we can to demonstrate our support of our newly elected Vice President Kamala Harris. And I'm, I'm excited to be one of those folks in that number. Uh, yeah, we had the international president of AKA, uh, Dr. Glenda Glover on a little bit earlier. Yep, rocking, rocking the pearls as well. And so uh, you're right, my wife is a Delta. And so she took a photo when pearls too and so in fact insisted uh my niece uh works with me come to the house last night to get an extra pair of pearls for her to wear <laughs> them to work today 
I love it. I, you know, for, for so many Black women, we come from legacies of women for whom a simple adornment like this uh, might have meant so much more because of its rarity. And I think that it is, it's appropriate um, that women across this country, Black women, women of African descent, are able to engage in just this one little sign, this one little token of appreciation and support uh, for our new historic uh, Vice President Harris. Uh, you see the, the motorcade pulling out there, uh, folks. Uh, it is uh, an expansive motorcade. Uh, go ahead and pull it up, please. You see that uh, you, 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 have, you have a combined, uh, the presidential motorcade is already long. Then, of course, now you add in the vice presidential motorcade, uh, and then you truly have that. And so, uh, and, and for folks who are unfamiliar uh, with the uh, presidential motorcades, uh, you've got tons of uh, uh, armed Secret Service agents. You've got uh, tactical units. You've got ambulances. You got all of that uh, there. You see the military, the military guard here, uh, about to uh, uh, coming off of the Capitol steps, about, about to about to leave. Now that the president and the vice president uh, have left the premises, uh, Lurie, with this um, it was uh, quite an interesting uh, day, if you will, uh, to early on uh, seeing. Yes, I said it. That rat down Trump. Uh, seeing him uh, leave early, uh, afraid, uh, absolutely afraid uh, of um, uh, of being around, uh, not coming to the inauguration, uh, and then of course releasing his pardons as well. Uh, and it was interesting looking at social media. A lot of people talk about the shift. They felt like that was a weight, a cloud was lifted uh, from across America. Uh, with the transition uh, from Trump to the 46th president, President Joe Biden. You know, and I think it's so important to take a moment just to acknowledge that collective, almost a collective woosah, a collective inhale and an exhale. And yet, as as much as I am thrilled to be able to share this moment, and I'm, I'm like everyone else, I, I, I feel a, a palpable sense of relief. I am also reminded of, you know, what I often call the alternative ending to Jordan Peele's Get Out. Uh, and I often imagine this alternative ending, whereas as opposed to the movie ending uh, with the destruction of that plan to steal Black bodies, what happens if our main character, Chris, discovers that not only has he not destroyed the entirety of the plan, but he's actually living in an America where random white people might actually also be in on it. And so I, I think about those 74 million people, um, not as a way of, of tearing down the, the joy of this moment, but just as uh, a moment of, of levity and a moment of, of, of recognizing, I should say, the seriousness and the continued work that has to be done. Um, the, the panel before me was speaking expertly about the work that Black women and Black men engaged in to ensure that we could have this moment, to ensure that not only do we have uh, a, the first Black woman vice president of Indian Heritage, but we also have that tie-breaking vote capacity and that function that she will serve uh, in the Senate. And that's because of what we saw happening in Georgia. It's because of the massive amount of work that Black men and women put in to ensure that we were saving ourselves. I know people say, thank you, Black people, for saving America. It was really, an, that's just an added benefit, right, of us saving ourselves and doing what had to be done. And now I think that work continues in a form that's going to allow us to, to really reconcile with the fact that those 74 million people, those are bankers in banks that we frequent. They are dentists and, and hygienists in uh, medical facilities where we go to have our physical bodies examined. They are HR managers. They are lawyers. They are doctors. They are contractors. And 
we have to recognize that we are now living in an America that might be post-Trump, but it's certainly not post-Trumpism. And the full-out embrace of white supremacy and white nationalism that we saw uh, culminate in that attempted coup d'etat just two weeks ago really is a stark reminder that um, not only is this a moment for celebration, but it is certainly a moment for continuing the work. After we pause and then celebrate, uh, tomorrow we have to get back to work. I would say even later tonight, we have to get back to work because the reality is that we are now aware that all across this country, uh, the seeds of white nationalism have been watered, they have been fertilized, and they have been allowed to sprout. And so that is going to really help shape what the next version of that work continues to look like. Uh, what is it that you are, you want uh, or demand from this administration? One of the first things that I think needs to be addressed is the passing of the Voting Rights Act. Um, uh, the John Lewis Voting Rights Act needs to be passed into law because it should not require every black superhero to swoop down into a contested election uh, in order for us to have access to the ballot. I think we need to really examine a number of the policies that, uh, whether they were formal policies of the Trump administration or just became de facto policies uh, by virtue of negligence in government, I think there are a number of policies that we need to examine. The, the commitment to the ending of police brutality. Well, yes, at the federal level, but planting those seeds so that at the state level, where we really see that work being done, uh, we're going to have not only just a conversation about equitable policing, but we're going to see accountability, uh, the likes of which Attorney General uh, Tish James here in the state of New York is, is talking about in her recent lawsuit against the NYPD. I want to ensure that we're returning to not just education as normal, because if we go back to normal, we've really failed uh, black communities and black students. I want to see an education uh, secretary uh, in leadership that is really going to focus on culturally competent, culturally responsive education. This 1776 commission, this, this farce of a commission that was put together and that report that was issued uh, blasphemously on Martin Luther King's day, um, I think needs to not only be uh, rejected outright, but we need to ensure that we are embracing culturally responsive education that is going to teach the truth of what happened in this country so that our children are able to do more than just master the, the elements of whiteness in their academic education and hope they get a shot at a good white job in a good white company where they can get good good interviewing skills with good white hiring folks. We need to be able to have transformative education so that black communities are able to raise up a generation of children that can be responsive to the issues that we are experiencing. I want to ensure that economically, uh, what we saw happen in the, the foreclosure crisis of 2008 when I was in private practice and engaged and my entire portion of my practice was dedicated to consumer law, uh, to consumer law. I want to make sure that we're going to have a, a housing restoration package, uh, both for landlord, uh, excuse me, both for tenants and for small uh, homeowners who are using their homes as an asset, not just for generational, intergenerational wealth, but as a money-making uh, opportunity. Because as we know, during the, the 2008 foreclosure crisis, almost 50% of black wealth was eviscerated through racist, toxic loan products. So I want to ensure that we're going to have an economic policy that's going to be sound and that's going to center on the specific needs of, of our community. I want to ensure that our health care uh, is going to not just respond to the COVID vi uh, virus, but I want to make sure that our health care system is going to, yes, ensure there's equitable distribution of the vaccine. Yes, target uh, those trusted voices who are going to be able to speak to our people in our language about why this vaccine is important, but also look at what was happening within our health care system that allowed all of these inequities to be manifest through the death rate and the disparate uh, uh, treatment that Black people received, calling on the name of Dr. Susan Moore is just one example. But really are going to look at why is it that our healthcare system was allowed to, to perpetuate such racist uh, outcomes in the first place, those outcomes which were just exacerbated by the coronavirus. So I, I'm really hoping and I'm calling for a reimagining of the entirety of Americana as we know it, because what we had before this was not sufficient for our needs, and it was certainly predicated on 
ensuring that our rights uh, would be debased so that the rights of white communities would be advanced. And so uh, I know we're going to have a lot of work to do to push Joe Biden to the left. And I'm going to say we're going to push him in the right, uh, correct direction, because the reality is we cannot afford to go back to normal. We have to reimagine what this country can look like, uh, because we best believe those 74 million folks who are out there, they are certainly doing their own round of reimagining at this very moment. Lori Daniel Favors, we certainly appreciate it. Look forward to having you back on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Thank you. All right, then. Reese, uh, I want to uh, go to you. Um, uh, we're going to, coming up, and we're going to have Tamika Mallory and some others. Uh, Reese, uh, I want to get your uh, final thought on today. Um, I can't emphasize enough how proud I am of Vice President Kamala Harris, but I want to spend my last moments shouting you out, Roland, because um, I did, you know, a little bit of alpha research, and I noticed that, you know, the, as you call it, black-facing um, outlets that aren't necessarily black-owned um, don't have the same audience that you have, and I think I just want to shout out your your dedication to building a political for a, a political structure, um, a, a media outlet that's Black-owned, that's Black-centered, that's Black-focused, that's unapologetically Black and unfiltered at all times for a day like this where we can come and we can get, uh, we can take in this, this historic occasion on our own terms. And, um, you know, I, so I just want to congratulate you on that. You, by far, are besting, I don't want to say competition, but I would say the other outlets. <laughs> and so congratulations to you. And now always congratulations to BP Harris and good to be with you, Monique and Dr. Carr and Robert earlier and uh, all the other people that joined. Um, and shout out to America's sister, Maya calls in. Please tell her I said hello. Uh, yeah, we're, try we're trying to get her on. So uh, we're trying to make it happen. Uh, Reese, I appreciate that. I mean, uh, this was precisely why we want to create this. Uh, what, what a lot of people don't don't realize is, uh, is that, uh, you know, we had to we had to fight like hell in 2009 uh, to do inauguration coverage on TV one. And in 2013, what well, people don't realize I had to actually take money out of my Washington watch budget because they didn't want to pay for inauguration coverage. Now, go back to the panel, please. They didn't want to pay for it. They didn't want to pay for it. And so we actually had fewer shows of Washington Watch in 2013 because we had to take the money out to cover it. And I made it clear to the people at TV One, you, there is no way in hell we can have the inauguration, the second inauguration of a black president, and we not cover it. That is cr absolutely crazy. And, and um, when, so when they announced in 2017 uh, that uh, News 1-9 was ending, I said, point blank, I said, Tom Jonah's retiring in 2019. We have got to have a black platform that is a daily pla news platform that's covering our issues. And that's why this show was created. Uh, so for the people, so for all these people who love running their mouths, uh, I need to remind them, I never left black media when I went to CNN. I never left black media after CNN. So this ain't all new. Digital is not new to me as well. But the, what we have to understand is, it's days like this where we've got to be able to have places where we were able to have our story told. I haven't watched everybody else's coverage but it's a good bet the international president of AKAs is not going to be on. And I can, I can, I can, I can tell you 
that you're not going to have other voices. And I, fl I flipped, and this morning I saw one black woman on Morning Joe. You know, and then I flip another network, I see one black person who pops on. But no, there is black expertise and black excellence across the board. And we have uh, historians and political scientists, and we, I mean, we've got all across the board who don't get an opportunity to share our perspective on days like this. Now, I saw where, where Aspire showed the inauguration coverage at 11.30, so basically they only covered the inauguration. I saw BET went on at 11 o'clock, which really only covered the inauguration. So there's a reason why we went live at 9 a.m. Because we said, you know what? We're going to create something that speaks to our audience. And so uh, we appreciate uh, you being here. And, and this is why we did it right now. Uh, uh, right now, uh, Joe Biden is at Arlington National Cemetery, uh, where they're there to place a wreath, uh, wreath uh, at, the, at, the, um, at the tomb of the unknown soldier. And, of course, he also, uh, his son, Bo Biden, of course, served in the military as well. And so this is also paying homage uh, to, to, to his son, Bo. Reese, I certainly appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Uh, Monique, say right there. Greg Carson, right there. Tamika Mallory of Until Freedom is going to be coming up next. Uh, we had Latasha Brown earlier. The Black Voters Matter. We're going to try to get her back on. We're going to try to get in a few other people as well uh, over the next 35 minutes because uh, we're going to end at 3 o'clock. Uh, we started at 9 o'clock. Normally, we go two hours. Uh, and so let's go back. Let's go back to Arlington National Cemetery if we can, please. Yeah, this is uh, this is going to be Joe Biden really wanted to uh, really wanted to uh, do this. Uh, his son, Bo Biden, served in the military for all of Donald Trump's loud, loud talking um, about uh, supporting the military. Uh, here you're going to have a president uh, who is going to show the level of respect to them um, and not just when they're kissing his feet. Uh, Greg, because uh, his son, he knows the importance of uh, America's, America's military. Yes, uh, Roland. In fact, um, you know, what, you, what you've done today with this coverage, and I want to echo everything Reese said, is very important because rituals are important. When we think of countries, we're really thinking of what Benedict Anderson and many others have written about as imagined communities meaning they don't exist as, as, a, as a unit until we imagine them. So these rituals are very important because what they do is they invest a community with a sense of common shared memory and shared identity. As you're showing this, I'm thinking about Joe Lewis and Thurgood Marshall. I'm thinking about Medgar Riley Evers. I'm thinking about many Africans who came out of enslavement who are buried in Arlington under tombstones simply marked citizen. 
I'm thinking about the fact that the enslaved, that Robert E. Lee lived in a house that enslaved people had to work in because he married into George Washington's family side, and that uh, they tore up that house, which was Rose Garden, and put the first bodies in that cemetery during the Civil War. It's important that we understand, as people of African descent, that we must always keep in mind that these imagined communities include our imaginations. Sojourner Truth worked in what, what used to be a plantation. Arlington National Cemetery is built on a former plantation, as I said. But what finally you've done by covering this today from beginning through the end and is that when somebody turns into CNN or somewhere else, or BET, and looks at this image, what they're not going to get is the sense that, not that we're out there too, but that we fought for our own liberation. And what Vice President Kamala Harris represents is the continuation of that struggle in yet another arena. So I want to add my gratitude to Reese's and to everybody else's brother for you covering this because there's nowhere else we're going to get this. One of the reasons why, <laughs> my Lord, why, why we got to have black folks do stuff, Monique, and why we got to have black people who work in these media outlets is it, I, 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 I got to sit here and rip on my hometown Houston newspaper for a second. I the, the Houston, I, uh, I, I, I got to y'all. If y'all want to understand why you got to have black people in media, Lord, go to my iPad. The Houston Chronicle posted this earlier, y'all. Purple has rich symbolism associated with royalty and power. Celebrities such as Prince and Selena favor the color, and it's a nod to her Alpha Kappa Alpha sorority. <laughs> It's a sad. It's a sad thing. It's real sad. Monique, just. I hate you know. That before Senator Jason Johnson tagged me on that, and I'm like, why? Why is he trying to mess with my day in this manner? I have already told everybody I am obstinately joyful today before my home state, uh, for H Town to 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 not know better for for no one to be in the line to realize that they are about to look ridiculous and make a whole bunch of black women be offended i mean and not just the ones who are aka's everybody greek or not greek is gonna be pissed off they got a black managing editor Ooh, i know her i missed that part <laughs> i hope she's not greek <laughs> It's terrible. It's terrible. That's 37 minutes after she was sworn in. They can't, and, and I mean, who has missed all of the prior news about her sorority? Who who paid zero attention to somehow think that Purple has anything to do with that? <laughs> Lord have mercy. We, I, I, we got I, a ways I, to go. We got a ways to go. I mean, first of all, if you just Google, I mean, you, I mean, the colors will come up. Woo, woo! These folk here, y'all, y'all, let, let me know when we have Lee Saunders, the president of AFSCME, on. Uh, Lee Saunders, he is the president of American Federation of State County Municipal Employees, uh, and, uh, and and let me say this here, y'all. Uh, Reese was just talking about the importance of uh, Roland Martin unfiltered on this day. Uh, and uh, it's important. Put me in the two box with Lee, please. Uh, it's, 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 it's important uh, that I need, I need all y'all to know. I need all y'all to know this. 
Um, on the last day of News One Now on TV One, um, we had our last day, and we got off the air at nine, and we had we had cake and stuff afterwards. But that was an eleven a.m. meeting I had with Lee Saunders and Aspen. And we met, it was a Thursday. It was a Thursday. Uh, I was flying out of town the next day, not even 24 hours later. I'm at Washington National. I don't call it Reagan Airport. I'm at Washington, I call it Washington National or DCA. Uh, and I'm literally parking. And uh, Lee calls me and tells me that uh, Aspen is in. Aspen was the first sponsor of Roland Martin Unfiltered. That was December of 2017, and we launched this in September 2018. And so uh, one of the reasons we're here is because of the support of ASME, uh, and, and they understood the importance of having a black show that covered our news from our perspective. And so, Lee, I certainly appreciate it uh, in uh, making this day possible to be able to cover events like this. Well, I'm good. I'm glad your, your memory is still good, Roland. I'm oh, no, I, I don't forget stuff, brother. You told that right. <laughs> I don't, forget, I don't forget none of the details, including how much y'all gave. I don't forget nothing. <laughs> how you doing, Roland? I'm doing great. Uh, share with us your thoughts uh, on this day to see President Joe Biden elected and Kamala Harris elected, uh, sworn in as Vice President of the United States. Well, it is a new day. It's a new day for all of us who believe in justice, who believe in moving this country forward who believe in tackling the real issues that confront our communities every single day. And I think that you're going to have two people. In fact, I know you're going to have two people in the White House, uh, President Biden and Vice President Harris, that are going to be dealing with the issues that impact on our communities and impact on working families all across the country. So we are extremely excited. Uh, we're looking forward to working with them very, very closely on on uh, dealing with the problems at hand. And uh, uh, and and. Uh, dealing with those issues in a very positive, constructive way, which really, to tell you the truth, hasn't been done over the past four years. Um, Donald Trump liked some labor folk, trade unions, but he didn't like most of them. Uh, not friendly at all, didn't care about $15 an hour, didn't care about any of these things. Uh, you certainly are going to see a much different tone from this administration. But also, how important is it that Democrats also have that majority? Well, it's, it's it tied in the Senate, but with Vice President Harris uh, breaking the tie uh, to be able to legislation that can move through the House and now can be considered in the United States Senate and not be blocked by uh, Mitch McConnell. Well, it's extremely important. One of the first things we're going to have to do, uh, the, the new Congress, is to pass legislation, uh, a new stimulus uh, the other stimulus wasn't enough. It was good, but, but it wasn't enough. Uh, but they're going to have to pass uh, uh, aid to state and towns and cities and school districts that impact on our communities across the country. The, the Trump administration refused to do that. Uh, Mitch, Mitch O'Connell refused to even take it up. Uh, yet uh, we've got uh, cities and towns and states and school districts that are going bankrupt, that uh, don't have the kinds of revenue and funds that they need uh, to continue those essential public services. So with the makeup of the Senate now, and that's why Georgia was so extremely important uh, in winning those two Senate seats, we can break that tie and we can move legislation uh, that will benefit uh, our communities, that will benefit labor unions, that will benefit African-Americans, people of color, that will benefit the entire country. And that's exactly what we're going to have to do. We saw, on, in, uh, and I don't know if you saw Pres President Biden in his... Uh, in his acceptance speech, he talked about being bold. 
And we've got to be bold. I mean, our people want us to be bold, to move programs that will benefit and strengthen our communities, give us a seat at the table, which we deserve, to engage in those kinds of discussions to improve the lives of working Americans all across the country. Um, everybody folks on the first 100 days, obviously, I understand that. I understand uh, why they do it. But uh, for Ask Me, what, what, what are your uh, top two or three priorities that you want to see from this administration? Well, the first I already mentioned, we need to get mm -hmm. state and local aid passed, okay? The second is uh, labor law reform. Uh, not only in the private but public sector. So we're we're going to have uh, legislation introduced called the PRO Act, which evens the playing field and enables working people uh, to have an opportunity in an easier fashion without blocking uh, to join unions. And on the public sector side, we're going to be introducing legislation which enables us to have collective bargaining uh, on the pub in the public sector because we're not covered under the National Labor Relations Act. 65% rolling of Americans believe that unions are absolutely essential to improve the economic well-being of working families. So, but we need a level playing field as far as having the legislation that permits us and permits workers to make an intelligent choice whether they want to be organized or not within unions. That's going to improve the economic life of our communities across the country, whether you're in a union or not. But it levels the playing field and it provides a seat at the table for working families. Those are two critical issues that we're going to be fighting for. But then we've got to deal with the racial justice issue. We've got to deal with immigration. Uh, we've got to turn back what uh, the previous president has done to turn this, to take this country backwards. Uh, and uh, I believe that you've got two individuals that are committed. In fact, I know we've got two individuals that are committed to improving the lives of everyone who is trying to play by the rules every single day, but are struggling because of the policies that have been implemented over the past four years. We've got to, we've got to make major changes, and we, we do have to be bold to improve the lives of people that we care about, our families and our communities across, across America. Uh, Lee Saunders, president of Ask Me, always good to have another alpha man here on the show. And y'all, I need y'all to understand, it ain't by, look, it ain't, it ain't my fault that all these folks alphas, but that's what happens when you understand leadership. That's exactly right. Black and gold all the way, brother. All right, Lee, we appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Seeing you, man. Yes, sir. Good seeing you as well. All right, folks, let's go to uh, my good buddy, Tamika Mallory. She's the co-founder of Until Freedom. Uh, is, is this a day of rest for you, Tamika? Because y'all been grinding uh, for the last couple of years. Listen, I got some, something from Ciroc today, and I have my congratulations. <laughs> To the uh, vice president. Drop the hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait a minute. Drop the little third so we can see the shirt. Sure, sure. Go ahead. I gotta get up higher so you. All right, see cheers, it. Madam Vice President. Oh, I got you. Okay, all right. All right. We came from Ciroc today, <laughs> and I'm getting ready to have some afternoon shots because today we celebrate. As you know, we've had bad nerves for four years. And not to say that we get, you know, more comfortable at this point, but certainly it feels good to see people that are halfway, at least to me, you know, they're sane. We can have sensible conversation and dialogue um, and also just not feeling like you're like you're light, like you, you might die any second because those guys, they were just crazy. But it's good to be in this space. And then tomorrow we get ready to fight because we know that no matter what, 
the system is still what it is. And so you're not, it's not going to just conform because a new person or new people are in office. It's going to take the real, true, um, you know, leadership of those people on the ground, pushing the administration to do what's necessary. Again, and, and to that point, there are those who, uh, first of all, folks, so while, while we're talking with Tamika on our panel, we're waiting for uh, this ceremony to start where you see this is a shot of uh, if, if, uh, if this is a shot of uh, Arlington National Cemetery uh, presidents, uh, Barack Obama, George W. Bush, Bill Clinton are there. Uh, President uh, Joe Biden uh, is on his way. Uh, Tamika, a lot of folk love wanting to get invited to the White House, invited to events, things along those lines. Uh, we've talked about this beforehand. But there are those whose job is to be on the outside, to put pressure uh, on elected officials, to put pressure on Congress uh, to do what's right. That's absolutely right. And, you know, um, I, I went to the White House a number of times under President Obama. Um, I also worked on the gun violence task force that was commissioned by uh, Vice President uh, Joe Biden at that time. And so I have actually been inside. Obviously, you know, I've worked closely with Heather Foster, uh, who was in the African-American department within uh, the administration, within the White House, actually. And of course, um, her predecessor, Michael Blake, uh, that's actually how I got affiliated. Um, you know, obviously, I worked for Reverend Sharpton and National Action Network, but on my own, I got affiliated with the organization through Michael Blake and my strong relationship with him. And he sort of walked me through the process of working inside with an administration. And so we know the inside and we know that there will have to be those of us who are sitting down with the administration, those of us who are helping to present ideas. And, um, and even those of us who are outside, hopefully we can maintain a respectful relationship and dialogue to get things done. I believe that this administration is open to change. However, there are already things happening that we see are in line with the archaic mindset um, of systems and, and sort of going back to normal. I've been hearing that all day, Roland, uh, this idea of getting back to normal. And when I think of Mike Brown and I think of Trayvon Martin, I think of Sandra Bland, and the list goes on and on to Mia Rice, it worries me that we believe that the way we were was how we should return. Right. I think we've got to be talking about transformation. And so those of us who are on the outside, um, it's okay. We'll be comfortable there because being on the outside and getting things done is much better in my position and, and as far as I'm concerned than being inside and regretting that we did not anything with this perfect storm that we have at this moment. Oh, tight. One second. Uh, President Joe Biden and the Vice President Kamala Harris have arrived at Arlington National Cemetery. Let's go live there.
President Joe Biden, Vice President uh, Kamala Harris, laying a wreath there at Arlington National Cemetery. Uh, Tamika Mallory, uh, with Until Freedom. Um, top two or three priorities you want to see from, from this administration? Well, obviously, criminal justice reform is number one. You know, that is the area 
that uh, we work in every single day at Until Freedom and with, you know, many of the partners and organizations, um, you know, that I am closely aligned with. And so we'll be focused really heavily there. And clearly we want to see that this civil rights division has the resources and the support from the administration to do their job. Um, and so, you know, that is important. I think on an economic front, when I think about reparations, Roland, um, of course, you know, most of us, we, we understand the idea of getting the check, cashing the check. But I also think of reparations in other ways. I think about things like public housing and how we can ensure that people, first of all, that families are able to stay together at this point, at this moment. Um, the way in which uh, uh, public housing works and getting certain types of subsidies, the man can't be in the home. Um, and that has in many ways destroyed black families. So I would love to see an overhaul of these systems and ways that have not benefited us uh, as it relates to public housing and those types of things. Looking at systems from that perspective, uh, in my judgment, is a form of reparations. And then, of course, education. I would like to see a black man as the head of education uh, in this country. We know that young black boys have been left by the wayside. Our young boys are suffering, suffering within the system. And I would love to see um, an investment in our, in our public education system that helps to bring our children along and that has a specific focus on young black men. That's the three, but I could go on and on with things that are on the agenda of Until Freedom and many, many others, because of course, uh, being one one of the leaders of the Women's March that is actually the, the anniversary for the in, initial Women's March is this week. Um, and five million people marched around the world for women's issues and for uh, equity for women. And so, of course, I have many things that I feel should be done to ensure that women and particularly black women have the type of equity that we deserve. All right. Tamika Mallory, co-founder of Until Freedom. We appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Roland. Thank you. Let's Have go a great to show. thank you very much. Let's go to Melanie Campbell, the National Coalition of Black Civic Participation. Uh, Melanie, uh, your thoughts uh, also, of course, convening the Black Women's Roundtable. Uh, surely you had to be overjoyed. Uh, I see you with your pearls uh, to see uh, Vice President Kamala Harris sworn in uh, as the next VP of the United States. Uh, thank you, Roland, uh, and thank you for all you again did to help make this happen today. Um, I, I felt a sense of joy, a, a sense of relief, um, and a sense of pride, um, and also a sense of responsibility. It was an exciting, it is an exciting moment as we saw uh, our sister Kamala Harris uh, become the first woman, uh, uh, first black and uh, South Asian uh, American to break that glass ceiling, right, of being in the second highest position in the land. And to see Joe Biden become the 46th president of the United States, uh, because we know that the person who was there before, 45, had really did everything he could to destroy this country and, and to destroy black people, black and brown people. So it was a lot of emotions, um, a, lot, a lot about my mother and so many others, a lot about the sisters who, who grinded and, and brothers who grinded and black women who turned out and led so many uh, campaigns. And so I felt all of that, all, all of those emotions uh, today, as well as being a little cold out there. <laughs> uh, but not as cold it was in 2009, 2012, I can tell you that. Uh, yeah, not even close to 2009. Uh, uh, I, I, I asked Tamika Mallory this and Lee Saunders this, and the same thing for you. What are your uh, top three priorities you want to see from this administration? 
Um, uh, listen, uh, I heard my sister Tamika Mallory. So uh, one for me and for our Black Majority of National Coalition is dealing with obviously COVID, right? And really, really finding a way to really get a handle on this because people are dying every day. Uh, so I'm, I totally on top of that. But then it's, it's things that have already passed in the House. We need to do what we need to do, get some bills on his desk, sign, deal with the Voting Rights Act, John Lewis Voting Rights Act, deal with um, uh, the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act, uh, make sure that the, some of the people that we know that have been nominated, uh, uh, Congresswoman Marsha Fudge, uh, uh, makes it through confirmation to become the um, uh, Secretary of, of Housing and Urban Development. And Kristen Clark to be the uh, head of the Civil Rights Division of the, the Justice Department, because we've got to bring that justice back in the Justice Department and having that diversity, not just of, a, of, of, of skin color or gender, but also of lived experience and have a commitment to really take what's been said and make it happen. So, so looking forward to hard work, and it's not going to be easy. The Democrats may have the House, the Senate, and the White House, uh, but not everything is going to be done with 50 plus one votes. But we want them to get all they can get done with that 50 plus one uh, if, if the Republicans don't do the right thing by trying to govern, by, at least bipartisanly. We got, we got, we got a short window to move on um, agenda items. Uh, absolutely there. Well, Melanie Campbell, you were out at the inauguration. Uh, I'm sure you had to be out there real early. Uh, and so, uh, yeah. go, go, go. Thank uh, Congresswoman Joyce Beatty, uh, chair of the Congressional Black Caucus. I was her guest. So I felt like I, you know, they're representing all my black women on tables and all my sisters. Uh, and I felt the weight of that as well. All right, then. Well, we certainly appreciate it. Thank you so very much. Guests and rest. Work starts tomorrow. Yes, indeed. All right. Thank you so very much. Uh, folks, we're almost at the end uh, of our uh, six hours of coverage on today's inauguration day. Uh, let me get some final thoughts uh, first to you, Monique Presley. I was really, uh, for the first time today, somewhat overwhelmed in, in watching that presentation and, and the laying of the wreath at Arlington Cemetery. I'm, I'm watching a woman in a role that I know not not just my my grandparents but even my parents really were hard pressed to imagine um, and and it did take a president a, a, a nominee for president such as now President Joe Biden uh, to answer the call for equality for equity for liberty for fairness, for representation, for that to happen. And so I, I don't think people can get to one and skip the other. It takes all of us. And I watched prior presidents who have been adversaries stand, uh, presidents and, and first ladies who have been adversaries stand together for this country. I watched people of all colors and from all parts of the earth. Uh, my, my father served in the military. All of his brothers served. This is truly our country. And it, it means that it's a day for us to claim it as such. Uh, as I said earlier, I'm not with any more excuses. I understand reasons, but I am going to be activating my own power and leaning on anyone that I have the opportunity to speak with to do the same, because whatever our racist, sexist, misogynistic history has been, we have the power to shape and frame 
what our country is from here on. And I hope that everyone who is watching and listening will join me in that fight. Greg Carr. Thank you again, brother, for the coverage. Um, something that Lori Daniels favor and shout out to her and all the folks there at the Center for Justice, Law and Justice at Meg Evers laid out and Tamika followed up with overhaul, systems overhaul, systems build. I think that's what we have fought very hard to win another opportunity to recruit the federal government into. And again, um, this past federal election was won by the skin of teeth. Like I said, if you take New York and California out, Donald Trump's the president. Even if you just take down uh, Biden, Harris winning by one vote in California and New York, Biden's the president. If you take that out, because you have to look at the in terms of the popular vote, what happened in Georgia, thanks to Melanie and, and thanks to Cliff. And as you say, the folk Latosh and them and Tamika and them who basically moved down there, who thanks to you. We put it close enough to recruit the federal government into the work of overhaul, the work again of building. So, yeah, let's pause, be very satisfied in this moment, this battle. And understand in the long war, we've won, won a battle. And now it's time to press the advantage. Now is not the time to be complacent. I agree with you, Monique. Thank you, bro. Folks, uh, my final thoughts. Uh, first off, um, at 4.30 p.m. Eastern uh, in the United States Senate, uh, Vice President Kamala Harris will swear these two gentlemen in as the next United States senators, Pastor Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff, both, both representing uh, Georgia. Uh, Pastor Warnock will be filling the unexpired term of Johnny Isaacson, uh, the Republican who stepped down. Uh, he will be there for the next two years, running for re-election in 2022. And John Ossoff, of course, defeated Senator David Perdue. He will be the senator there. Uh, for the next six years. That's going to be taking place uh, at 4.30. Uh, we want to thank all of you for watching. want to thank all of our panelists, our guests uh, on this uh, momentous day. It is a historic-making day. And we certainly want to thank uh, all the staff here at Roland Martin Unfiltered. Our goal was very simple, to give you the most comprehensive uh, black coverage of this inauguration, and I think we certainly did that. Uh, there are things that we always want to do more, but the reality is you do what you can and you do the best of it. And so this was about us being able to provide a perspective that otherwise would have gone ignored uh, on this day. Uh, the work does begin tomorrow. Today, folks can rejoice, they can sit here and they can uh, celebrate, but it's all about how do we now make real what we voted for? You always heard me say voting is the end of one process uh, and it's the beginning of another. Well, that's exactly what uh, this is all about now. Now it's time for us to put in the work to make our demands clear, for us to invest the time and the energy in pressing Congress to do what is right, to stand up for uh, all of our values, to stand up for what we know is important. That is what is important for us. Everybody has a role to play. You cannot now just sit on the sideline and say, hey, I've done my job. No, the work has to continue. So we certainly hope uh, more of that takes place. Uh, we want you to support what we do. Your dollars make all of this possible. It is, none of this stuff is free. Uh, I told you, we, we saw some great footage from the Associated Press. Folks, that's $100,000 a year, $101,000 a year. Uh, in terms of what we're able to do, providing uh, cameras and resources. And so uh, we're always upfront, honest with you with what's going on. And so that's what we're doing right now. And so if you want to join our Bring the Funk fan club, please do so by joining us via Cash App, dollar sign, RM Unfiltered. 
paypal.me forward slash rmartinunfiltered, uh, venmo.com forward slash rmunfiltered, zell, roland at rolandsmartin.com. You can also send a money order to uh, New Vision Media, 1625 K Street Northwest, uh, Suite 400, Washington, D.C., uh, 2006. Uh, we thank all of you for watching. Folks, we will not be live from 6 to 8. That's why we did this coverage. We will see you tomorrow right here on Roland Martin Unfiltered, where we began the first day of the administration of President Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris. Thanks a bunch and enjoy the rest of the day in this evening. Holla! From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why Gainbridge offers the Parity Flex annuity, designed for women's unique retirement needs, with flexible withdrawals plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. Gainbridge is helping build a better financial future for women. Retirement income you can't outlive is the ultimate flex. Start saving now at Gainbridge.io. Visit Gainbridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, full product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information.